I'm Arya Schwartz, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. This episode, we're talking WNBA Semifinals Game 1. our show please consider joining our patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w we had two games uh of of, of game one of the uh the semifinal series go on on uh tuesday night one in dc one in connecticut we're going to start off first with the aces versus mystics i'm here with gabe he's our our windsider beat reporter for dc gabe how's it going what are your initial thoughts going on man i'm good what are your thoughts man you got a big game one win yeah that was a that was a really nice win for the mystics i think that was the first time in what about a month that the uh that the mystics really faced some adversity overcame it played really well through it i think they you know they found some stuff that worked they found out some stuff did not work um and then i think also for the aces uh they they had the same thing going on they found some things that did work found those some things did not work. So uh, both the teams are, it was a learning experience. Like Bill Lambier said after the game, I think that's true for both teams, but end of the day, really good win for the Mystics. And you got to get the first one in order to run it back like they want to. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. That was the best win of the series or the, sorry, the season for the Mystics. And I know everyone will say, Oh yeah, of course it is. It's their first playoff win. They have to get it, but now nah, cut the, cut the crap. Like, let's be real. This team has been blowing everybody out all season long. And like you said, it's all about adversity when you get to the playoffs. It's all about how can you take a punch and punch back. I'm using boxing metaphors because that's what this series is going to be. It is just a it's going to be a fight to the end, a bare knuckle boxing match. I mean, you got how just talk about the physicality real briefly. I'm going to get too excited, but talk to me about the physicality last night well I, I found that it's interesting that you were using boxing terms because that's something natasha cloud's always using uh talking about this team too and it's something that she always says is that uh the mystics like to throw the first punch in a game the mystics really like to throw the first punch and so in the first quarter they are the best team in the league in the first quarter uh, in first quarter scoring so they came out and they punched they hit first they nailed the aces with 30 points in that first quarter but the Aces just stayed right there with 27 points. And it was just really, really, I mean, the physicality was amazing, like you mentioned, because we have all of these giants. The the Mystics, I, they came out with uh, Latoya Sanders, Elena Deladon, and Emma Miesemann, who all three of them had really great games in different ways. But those are their three biggest players. And then, you know, Bill Lambeer kind of had to uh, match that size. And then it just kind of became a bloodbath with people going down low and you know, the refs kind of let everything go by. Uh, you saw Elena Deladon get really frustrated at times. You obviously saw Liz get frustrated at times, which she does every game, but uh, they just really let him play. And just seeing those two huge lineups go up against each other and clash and just like bring all of that force was incredible. It's something that I was looking forward to in our uh, series previews where, you know, we're going to see this, all series long is these bigs are just going to go at each other and they're probably going to be the deciding factor in most of these games. Yeah. I mean, it, 
Yeah. I, the the interesting thing for me is, you know, when you talk about the different matchups that DC is going to have throughout the playoffs or that they've had throughout this season, this is a team that really, I mean, Bill talked about it in the post game. The players talked about it in the post game. Both these teams really and truly have the ability to match up as needed. If one team's going big, the other team's going big. If one team's going small, the other team's going small. I mean, I think Bill even spoke about it in the post-game presser where he said something to the effect of, we weren't exactly sure what they were going to do coming out, so we just went with this lineup and adjusted quickly, and it was a chess match. And it, and it truly was. And, you know, chess used to be used as, as war battles uh, simulators, so, you know, uh, it, we're going with the, the metaphors today. But talk to me about Asia Wilson's game. Asia had, maybe because she wasn't pulling the camera on her as much as, let's say, Liz or EDD did throughout the game, but... Asia had a steady, solid game. Talk about what a player like Asia Wilson can can do to this DC team. Well, I, I think she had a very, very solid game. And it was it was weird. You're right that it's like she didn't get as much attention. It just maybe Liz takes up so much of your attention. And same with Kelsey Plum. Like Kelsey Plum is yelling at the sideline announcers and all that. But Asia finished as the leading scorer on the team. She had 23 points, 7 rebounds, an assist, and she shot 8 of 15 from the field. She got to the line eight times, and that is huge. So when she's doing this and she's just taking good shots, she's rolling to the rim, she's getting easy looks while at the same time making her more mid-range shots, that's unstoppable. I don't care who you have on her. And then furthermore, because she is you know, usually going to be matched up with Elena Deladon or LaToya Sanders, both of them are good post defenders, but they're not bulky enough really to stop Asia. And uh, I would say EDD can get you know, a little too much in her space. You forget that Asia's a lefty. Ben Dahl had a good article about this earlier in the year where because she's a lefty, you she gets a lot more fouls and just the way she shoots, it's way out in front of her. And Elena's not as careful as the other bigs when she's matched up with Asia. So I, I think she really took advantage of that matchup. I think EDD was just trying to be careful and she let some easy shots go. So Wilson really can break this defense. Uh, and it'll just be a matter of, you know, is Liz hot enough that the uh, the Mystics have to stick Emma Mieseman on her? Because Emma, despite not being the best defender of those three players, I think that's Sanders, she's the best post defender because she's just so big. She can put her chest into Asia or Cambage and get into them. So, you know, it'll just be really a matchup thing and who's hot between Cambage and Wilson to have the bigger night. Oh, very true. I mean, let's talk about their defense. Both of them really buckled down. It was an interesting thing. You know, often we've seen, and there's, you know, when you have a, a star-studded lineup, a star-studded roster like Bill Lambeer and Las Vegas Aces have, there's a lot of questions that go into the last few minutes of the game. Um, I think we watched the Sky game and many other games throughout this season. You're kind of like, huh, why, why is Liz not out there in these in these very important minutes? And obviously, there's some science to it, and each game is a little bit different. But talk to me, Liz got some important minutes late in this game, and the defense of the Aces buckled down to a ridiculous extent in the last four minutes. I mean, well, what like, minutes, uh, sorry, the DC just looked completely lost. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think that rests though by because I we were, we were obviously at this game, um, and we were all kind of sitting there in the stands wondering, well, Liz is not in, the Aces are struggling. This is, you know, I think it was at some point it was like a ten point lead, either uh, really early in the first in the fourth quarter, I believe, 
Um, and we're sitting there and we're saying, well, where is Liz Cambage? Where is Liz Cambage? And I think that was kind of a calculated risk because Bill saw that Liz was getting tired. Liz was getting frustrated with the physicality. Liz was not playing her game. And he took he took her out for a little bit. And it just gave her that reset to come back and, like you say, dominate defensively. I mean, she just did not allow anyone inside. She was patrolling the paint while also kind of being around all our matchups. Um, she, she was able to... Um, help more because she wasn't covering uh, Emma Mieseman for some of that stretch. So she was able to help more off uh, Latoya Sanders. And, and then it just kind of came down to the aces running out of time. And then she Liz made one, I don't even want to say it's a bad defensive mistake. She just kind of uh, went to double team Alain Deldon on that shot that the Mystics basically won the game on. It was an Alain Deldon uh turnaround jumper made the game a four-point game really late she just made a, a little mistake going too low in a double team and then Deladon was able to turn around and hit that shot so I, I think she played really great defense up to that point but it's more a matter of you know she only played 28 minutes she needs to play more Asia played 37 Kelsey Plum played 30 Kayla McBride put in 35 minutes you know it's she has to be out there and she has to be ready to go and I think part of that will be getting her to the foul line more and getting her um, off of whichever Mystics big is doing the most damage because that's just going to really tire her out on the defensive end. Well, we, we can't talk about the Las Vegas Aces without talking about the no call slash the no timeout call. Now, I'll be completely clear. The When I'm watching the game now, the position of the media, at least Gabe and I were separated for the game, sadly. Um, but the, my, spot, right, my spot is uh, right behind the scorer's table. And right behind benches. Now, obviously not right behind. We're up a little bit in, in the stands. But I'm standing there and I'm seeing Bill position himself next to the referee. Look at the referee. I can't read lips from that far away. But it seemed pretty obvious that Bill was saying to him, if we get this rebound, I'm calling a timeout. Which is the smart, classic vet coach move. You call a timeout in that situation. You set up a last play. You had time to do that. The, they get the rebound. And Bill is ecstatically jumping up and down, screaming. Now, I don't know if anybody here who's listening to this podcast knows what Bill Lambeer looks like, but the man is a giant. The man is not quiet. If the man is screaming next to you, I can guarantee you see him. So as he pointed out in the postgame presser that he reiterated, he says, I don't know about the call. I'm pissed off that I was calling timeout and they wouldn't give me a timeout. That needs to be investigated. Maybe he gets fined for it. Maybe he doesn't. But at the end of the day, that needs to be investigated because why is that happening? They had a timeout. Coach is calling a timeout right next to the referee. Explained it beforehand. He, like, in the postgame presser, he straight up said, he's like, I positioned myself and told the ref on purpose. That was planned out. And then Kelsey Plum gets the ball, drives to the lane, pulls it up. Might have had a split second longer. Maybe not. But, she, you know, smart player, good shooter. She pulls up, questionable on the call. What are your thoughts? It looked like a foul to me. I say you put her to the line when in question in that moment, or at least review the play. Um, your thoughts on that no call slash no timeout? Uh, so on the no timeout, I, I mean, I have not, I wasn't watching Bill. Uh, I was kind of caught up in that moment trying to f uh, figure out where Kelsey was going to go. But my first thought was, why isn't Bill Lambier calling a timeout? Um, so I'm sure Bill Lambier is one of, he's one of the best coaches in this league. Uh, at least in this league's history, um, and as a very, very smart NBA player, very, very smart person generally, 
I'm sure he was also thinking that he wanted a timeout. So I'm sure he was calling for it. And yeah, I'm with you. It has to be investigated. I don't know how, you know, maybe a referee just didn't hear that he was saying timeout. Maybe he, she, he, uh, I forget which ref he was talking about, but whoever the ref was, if he was trying to, uh, maybe she thought that he was trying to, you know, argue a call or something because that was happening all game. So, you know, hey, I don't know about that no timeout, but someone does need to look into that because that's ludicrous because you know Bill Ambeer was trying to call a timeout there. Everyone does. We we were all there. We were all thinking it. So it does need to be investigated. As to the no foul call um, down at the other end, so I had a perspective um, kind of looking at it on an angle from the corner of they're kind of coming at me. And I'm going to be honest. I mean, you know, I... I, I want the Mystics to win this series so I could continue going to WNBA playoff games. However, I still think I'm objective here in saying I didn't see any contact. I think Kelsey, uh, she made a great drive. She was hustling down the court. She got to the free throw line, and she saw Lane Deldon coming. And when she saw Lane Deldon coming, she was like, okay, I can use her momentum to run her into me. Now she dribbles. She turns in, try to get the contact from Lane Deldon, she looks up, there's you know less than a second left, and she's thinking she has to hurl up that shot. So she she throws it up before Deladon touches her, and then maybe there's some contact after the shot. I don't know. My eyes had gone away from there. I missed that part. But you know, she kind of looked for the foul, and I think if she had had a half second longer, she just plants her foot, stops there, and gets hit by Deladon, and then shoots, and then it's a foul. That, there's no question there. But to me, I didn't see any contact live. I've seen the replays. I didn't see enough contact prior to the shot to, to overturn what my eyes saw, right? So to me, that's a good no call. You know, it, it, it's just a good no call. And I think if, uh, Del, if, she had, if Plum had an extra second, that would have been a foul, but it wasn't. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I, I, in the moment, didn't think necessarily it was. Obviously, we've all watched the reviews. And from watching the instant replays, all the reviews, which, by the way, I got to throw some shade. The Mystics Arena, never. Like, if you're lucky, you'll get one replay during a game. That's got to change. So, I mean, I, there was multiple times where, so, like, Liz would get all huffy and puffy and look up to the, the giant TV screens looking for a replay, and there would be no replay. So, um, just throwing that shade real quick. But as far as this... I actually changed my opinion from seeing the reviews. Obviously, slowing it down and all that jazz makes it look a little bit more intense than it actually was and maybe a little bit more contact than there actually was. So I'm well aware of that. Um, I do think my issue with it, I agree with you, if Kelsey plants, if she stops for a moment, then she gets that call. My issue is that Deladon doesn't stop. Deladon rams, like, does make slight contact. Again, just the angles I've seen does make slight, slight contact from behind and doesn't stop. You can see after Plum shoots the ball, Deladon continues to move forward. Uh, and That's why I think it should be a call, because Deladon doesn't stop. To me, that's the problem. The shooter has the right to shoot. You don't have the right to hit her from behind. Hit, that's if, my if personal take. hit her after the shot, that's after the game. So that doesn't that doesn't matter. So, so no, no, I'm, I'm not saying after the shot. I'm saying oh, as I she's pulling crazy. up the shot. As she's pulling up to release, Deladon, you can see like Deladon pull her arms back. So like you can't get a call from the arms, kind of do like a chest out thing. But I think that's enough contact in the shooting motion when she went up. 
obviously I think the cop out or the excuse or the reason for not calling it is she didn't plant. So I see both sides of it. If I'm the ref, I'm calling it. I mean, heck, they've made much worse oh, calls yes, so far this season and and postseason. But enough about that. Let's move on to the Mystics real quick. So running a little bit over. Um, my initial reaction was, at least throughout the the beginnings of the game. Obviously, you know we can talk about Mystics making you know handling adversity. That's really good. That's the storyline of this game. But something that I noticed, and I want your insight on this, was. DC saw what Chicago did in the last game. What Chicago was able to do, because as we all talked about, Chicago was not going to be able to fully match up with what Vegas was doing. So they needed to pull the bigs out of the paint to give their guards the ability to get into the paint or open up for some shots or even get their bigs the ability to get in the paint and get some shots. DC saw that and was doing a great job of trying to pull the bigs out of the paint. But Liz, and this part was super interesting to me, Liz kind of just let Sanders have mid-range jumpers most of the game and said, I'm not going to fall for that again. So that's a good sign for the Aces. Talk to me what you think about that and how that affected the Mystics game and if really, if maybe that threw a little clog in the wrench or whatever it's called. Uh, I, yeah, I don't remember. Who cares? Um, but the so Latoya, she's a great player and she had a great defensive game. Um, she actually had five steals, which I'm pretty sure is yep. her career yep. high, right? I'm guessing. I believe so. Um, regardless, though, I mean, yeah, her not hitting three blocks, five steals. Come yeah, on, it's, it's a huge game defensively, but she was four of 12 from the field. And a lot of those were those mid rangers that, you know, mm-hmm. it, it really, they really build their offense kind of not necessarily on her mid rangers, but her ability to um, hit those mid rangers is huge because, like you're saying, Liz could just kind of leave her. And she did on multiple occasions. And the the Mystics couldn't trust that she was going to make those shots on that night. I think they obviously they trust her completely. I think they'll continue going back to her. I think she has to continue shooting that ball and it'll eventually go in at her more normal rate than what she was doing last night. But I think the other thing uh, in that regard is just that, you know, all of the Mystics role players offensively um, didn't have great games. You know, you look at Ariel Atkins. Yeah, she got to the foul line four times. Yeah, she finished with nine points, but she was two of nine from the field. Then you look at Tiana Hawkins. She, you know, she had a couple points. She played in that second half where Coach T was trying different stuff, uh, trying to plug in different people. And it worked for a little bit because she's really good defensively. And then Ariel Powers also really struggled. One for four, only nine minutes in this game because Coach T just didn't like that matchup. So obviously rotations are going to shorten in the in the playoffs but what you don't want to see is production from from the players who are getting more minutes to to shrink that's what we saw last night from everyone offensively so i just think you know sorry sorry just to correct you because i know someone's gonna freak out at us it was powers who only had nine minutes what did i say Uh, you said atkins my bad i i i'm looking at the stat sheet right now so how i got that (laughs) wrong is beyond me but regardless um It'll just be a matter of getting back to the norm for those role players. And I think Emma Mieseman just really stepped up, took up all of that uh, negative energy from them, turned into positive energy. She had 27 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists on 12 of 18 shooting. That's absurd. But, hey, it's, it's good for the Mystics to win this game. I think it's also good that you look at the stat sheet and you say, why was it so close? Well, we didn't get our normal production from people, and I think it's going to be going back to the tape, figuring out where to put uh, Powers, where to put Atkins, 
where to put Hawkins in a place for them to succeed, and maybe even looking at someone like Myshawn Hines Allen coming off the bench. I honestly, I was just gonna bring that up. I was shocked she didn't get minutes because in she is the bully of this team. She yeah. is the boxer of this team. So I think it was kind of a calculated risk on Coach T's part, saying, you know what, this game's already physical enough. If I throw her in there, we might talk in full out brawl. Hey, <laughs> there are some points where I was worried that the fans were gonna charge the court and attack the refs. <laughs> It was really funny. There was, was there great. was one lady just like completely giving into the ref at courtside. I was very proud to be a, a citizen of this great area because of that. <laughs> but yeah, my Talk to you real quick. No, but real quick, let's move over to someone who did get to play. Christy Tolliver, finally back. A uh, couple big shots. What are your thoughts on, on on her impact of this game? I mean, those those threes that she knocked were ridiculous. No, and she so she started the game off 0 of seven and then went three of four the rest of the way. And, you know, it was so that that play right before the end of the third quarter, which I'll be writing about on a feature that will come be out on windsider.com today as you hear it. Um, nice plug. But that shot right before the third quarter was just so big for momentum because it was her first made basket since she got back. It was at a time where, you know, it was kind of teetering for the minutes. You know, they, they were really in a in a struggle. They needed a bucket, and they really needed it from Tolliver because that was going to get the crowd going. That was going to get the team going. So as the third quarter uh, game clock is running down, she gets a pass from Emma Mieseman. She's wide open on three. She waits for the contest, then does an absolutely disgusting, like those little tiny step backs that she does, which I don't know of a player who does a smaller step back and still nails the shot as as well as her. Um, and that was really, I think, the catalyst for this win for the Mystics. That was a huge play for momentum. That was a huge play for the confidence that the team had. And that was a huge play for her because she went, uh, what would be two of three from that shot. So three or four to end the game, had some really big shots down the fourth quarter. Um, and frankly, she looked fine with the injury. Uh, I didn't see any um, like hobbling or anything. I, I don't know what you th- what your thoughts were. Yeah, no, I think she looked great. Obviously, it's uh, I think T said it was something more of like a pain management thing at this point. So figure that out. Um, but she she is a rock. She is tough. She's going to handle it. She's going to take the pain. She's going to roll with it. All right, let's wrap this up. Talk to me, Gabe. What do you got for game two predictions? Or do you want me to go first? Did I put you on the spot? Um, I, I, No, you go first. All right, I got I'm, I'll throw a score into this one. Uh. 79 86 and somehow the las vegas aces pull off a win in dc yeah ah uh, no i don't oh man i'm really confused on this one because you know i really liked what the aces did i thought they did a lot of really good things i think they showed a lot to me because i thought you know this would not be a good matchup however however i kind of think the mystics just blow them out here they got to be feeling themselves from the perspective of we won that game and that was going to be our worst game. And they're at home. This crowd's going to be into it. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a huge game for Delhi. But I, I don't know. To me, for some reason, I see a Mystics blowout in game two. And then hopefully the Aces can can get it together going back home to Vegas. See, my thing is uh, viewing this game. I, 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 I hear you're saying that's a definite possibility that's up there. Um, I, I just somehow I feel like Vegas pulls off a win because if they don't, either way, I think game one in Vegas or game three in Vegas is going to be a blowout for DC. So I'll put that out really? there right now. I think I, I, I look at it a little differently. 
At a, like like I said, I think Vegas pulls off a tight win on this one. But that being said, I do see a just a embarrassing almost blowout from DC handed to the Aces in Vegas, and then hopefully, if that's a sweep, we'll see some cool uh, social media parties with the uh, the Mystics playing. Uh, ready that's for a first. really hot take, Aria. Extremely spicy. I know. I don't hey. think I'm ready for it. You know I'm all about the hot takes. Honestly, though, thinking about this, um, DC or Aces better freaking win the finals just so we can see the social media okay. explosion um, of the parties. Because, you know, and like, yeah, Courtney Williams is going to have a party if Connecticut wins. But other than that, like, let's be real. The real parties uh, are going to be in Vegas or on Elena Deladon's yeah. boat. Uh, that's all we got for this. We're going to be moving on uh, to talk with Rachel and the other matchup from the semifinals. Peace out, people. See you soon. All right, moving on to the second semifinal game. I'm here with Rachel Galligan, my co-host. Rachel, how's it going? And give me your reactions to LA and Connecticut game. Hi, everybody. Um, initial reactions. I think it's it was pretty much what I had at least anticipated it being, and same with you. Um, I think every game we see between these two, maybe outside of just one, we're going to see a close a close game. I mean, really, it came down to the final minute and a half when things kind of got a little bit more spread out, but it was a game that featured 11 lead changes and five ties. So um, anybody watching on ESPN two was definitely able to get their, their money's worth because um, it was definitely a really highly competitive game as we all thought. But um, you know, I really felt like Connecticut deserved to win that game. Um, really felt like they had the balance scoring finished with four players and double figures and, you know, Jasmine Thomas was phenomenal, but like, how about the play of Alyssa Thomas out of the shoot? I mean, <laughs> she like started what I think she scored like the first like 13 out of their 15 points for Connecticut. It was the Alyssa Thomas show. Yeah. At one point she was um, beating LA single-handedly. <laughs> so that was, it was, it was neat to see her. You know, that's a player who doesn't typically score, but um, you know, she came out of the shoot and, and was phenomenal and really was, was excellent the entire game. Uh, but, you know, if you pay attention to kind of the numbers, I think Connecticut, the, the, the thing that was alarming for me moving forward in the middle of a five game series, you know, they, they played a ton of minutes. Melissa um, Thomas played all 40 minutes. She did not come off the court for one second. <laughs> um, Courtney Williams played just under 36. Jasmine Thomas played um, 37. Shakina Strickland played 36. So, I mean, a ton of, a ton of minutes being played. Um, thank God Connecticut, Connecticut got that double buy. So they probably feel like they have a little bit of reason to be able to do that, but you're, you know, moving into Thursday's matchup, um, today's matchup, depending on, on when you're listening. Um, I, I would be curious to see how those numbers are distributed um through the course of a 40 minute game but Connecticut was good you know they, they I just think they they were steady and they were efficient through the entire game and and honestly for LA they, they showed sparks no pun intended uh, the pun was intended Rachel stop it come on <laughs> that's for you kind of god god you're rubbing off on me um <laughs> NECA um played extremely well and she finishes nine for 13 from the field. Candace Parker was, was like old school vintage Candace Parker, which was really good to see. I mean, don't you think so? Oh, hundred percent. I look, I, I was at the DC game, got there early so I could watch this game. And you had like the whole media section just crowded around. Shout out to Matt Ellen Tuck. Uh, all of us just surrounding his computer, watching the game. Candace Parker was putting on a freaking show. Yeah. I mean, she's even, she was even out there taking charges. I mean, she's doing stuff 
you know, at her age, not, not that she's old. I played against her, you know, high school, shout out Candace Parker, go, go Naperville. Um, you know, she was, she was, she was phenomenal. It was really good to see her play at the level that we all know that she can play at, but you know, they can't, they can't be so lopsided, you know, in that scoring, they have to have that third and fourth player to step up in that, that scoring category. And I felt like LA run out of gas. They ran out of gas a little bit in the second half. Um, you know, they had a really strong second quarter. They started a little bit slow. Um, and I just think, um, that they, they struggled to score. Connecticut did a really good job of making adjustments at halftime. And, um, you know, you, you, you kind of mentioned it before uh, on the previous podcast heading into the series that, you know, it, it was going to be really important that Raquana Williams stepped up and, and made, made shots and she scored and, and what happened? She finishes one for nine on the game, you know, and then I think that that's, and, and, and then, you know, you could take it a step further and talk about Chelsea Gray who finishes with four points. So, I mean, yeah, Connecticut win the game. They won the game. LA played great with two of their all-stars, but you know, we're used to talking about Chelsea Gray and Waquana Williams on a completely different level in which we're talking about them right now. So you throw one of those two in the mix um, and, and they're up in their average. I think we've got a different scenario. So um, obviously anticipating a really highly competitive game on Thursday and um, hopefully that doesn't come down to the wire with some crazy ref call or some sort of no call or who knows. But at this rate, um, you know, we're about, you know, a week and a half in, it feels like um, we're just getting started with how crazy this, this WNBA playoffs is going to go. But um, I think it's going to be a great, a great game, but I'm going to go with LA. How do you feel? Well, I, I'm going to, even before we get to that, I'm talking real quick. I just, I, Candace Parker put up MVP numbers. And I just want to run through her stat line real quick. 10 for 14 field goals, three for five, from three points. Amazing. One for one for two from the free throw. Fine. Ten rebounds. LA three assists. Kind of free throw though. LA yeah. they just don't. So well, yeah, and, and we can get into that one. <laughs> um, three assists, two steals, six blocks, and just two turnovers. But here's the craziest part on the plus minus, and I know everyone hates that and blah blah blah. But she was negative seventeen. I mean, that's just mind blowing. But yeah, I'm I'm with you 100. percent TRP is not going to win you know, games with her scoring. It's about Raquana and Chelsea. Yeah. Raquana cannot go 0 for 6 from 3 right. if the LA Sparks are going to make a push to the WNBA Finals. That That's just flat out. I did like to see Elena Beard get 18 minutes, play some solid minutes, get 6 points, you know, be a little bit more vintage Beard also. But uh, something that was really interesting to me, and maybe you could talk about this a little bit, was looking at the bench minutes. I know you touched on this before, but a total of, 20 bench minutes split upon three people for the Connecticut Sun and Beard and Weiss essentially had 20 minutes individually. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it, it's, it's a complete shift from what we're used to seeing as far as Los Angeles Sparks going into their depth in the playoffs. Never did that under the Brian Agler days, but I'm kind of shocked that the Sun, I mean, w- when we were talking about Alyssa Thomas playing all 40 minutes, mind blowing. Great. I worry about her body in a, if this goes to a five game series, I worry about her body. And I worry about the fact that, you know, Plaisance and Bantam got no minutes. Um, At least to, to, to give a little break to the players, I would think. No, you're, you're exactly right. I I worry about, again, the longevity of a five game series. And I think we can all agree. There's a really good chance. This is going to go to five games, probably both matchups. I mean, there's a good chance I would say, especially the LA, Connecticut one. Um, and so LA's got an advantage from a depth perspective. I mean, you talk about Sydney Weiss. I mean, she was a starter for the majority of the season. 
Shanae's a starter, you know, so, so they've got the capability to play extremely high numbers. Elena Beard, my God, she's one of the most veteran players in the league who, who make it such a difference maker. Well, I don't need to talk about that anymore than what that is. So I, I do think that when you're talking about a five game series, the amount of travel, the amount of wear and tear that, that takes place through the course of this, um, being able to rely on that bench is extremely important. So that is an advantage that LA has. Um, and I, 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 I worry about the sun moving forward when you get into game three, game four, how does that affect, you know, a player like Alyssa Thomas, her body is already not at a hundred percent. I mean, that that's kind of been the story for the entire season, but um, you know, it, it's going to be a good matchup, but, but, but again, like LA, they can't turn the ball over 17 times against Connecticut. Um, I think from a stat sheet numbers wise, that was a huge key. I mean, really, the numbers are comparable. I mean, there's nothing too glaring that to me that was the biggest difference just out of what LA could have controlled was their ability of taking care of the basketball. Um, and then just like you said, Raquana Williams and Chelsea Gray, someone's got to step up and be that that third cog in that scoring category, if not both of them. So, Yeah, let's flip it over to the Connecticut side, though. I mean, ridiculously even scoring. Yep. I, I mean, like th- this reminds me of, you know, typically during the season you're talking about these games and you look at – you know, Connecticut's Sun bench only has five points, and I would get a little worried. Uh, but and also, Shakina Strickland only dropped seven points. The only starter not in double digits. You would maybe get a little concerned because that was that was a key player in my mind going into this game. You know, Strickland can be a person who could kill LA from deep, and it didn't happen that night. But they didn't need it. I mean, Alyssa Thomas, twenty-two. John Quill Jones, who's a little bit slow to start, finally got going in, in the key moments. Uh, Sixteen points. Uh, Jasmine Thomas, 19, and obviously the walking, talking, living bucket, Courtney Williams. Uh, oddly goes over four from three. That, that was kind of shocking. She's a bucket, Courtney Williams. Oh, my God. Some of, some of the comments that people have, uh, you know, to that interview have gotten me rolling on the floor laughing. Um, I, I, yeah. I don't know that it's um, realistic to expect 22 from Alyssa Thomas moving forward. So, no, you can't. Um, but at any point, like you said, Strickland can go off for 20. Um, John, John Quell did not play her greatest. You know, she finishes six for 15, which as a, as a center in the league, that's, that's not very good. Courtney Williams, as we all know, could go off for 25. So the balanced scoring is, is a vital part of Connecticut. And that's what makes the turnovers from LA even more vital. You know, they, they handed Connecticut 14 more possessions, 14 more shot attempts than what LA had. You know, and that, that within itself with a team with, that has so much balanced scoring and they're shooting, you know, over 40% and, you know, pretty, pretty effective from the three point line at 36%. You know, that, that's, you're digging yourself a hole by turning the ball over that many times and giving them that many extra possessions and shot attempts. So that's really the game in a nutshell. Um, and I, I, you know, I just think LA has got to do a better job of taking care of the basketball. They've got to be able to um, make someone else beat them you know, maybe like an Alyssa Thomas, force Alyssa Thomas again to try and beat you. Um, you've got a game plan, obviously, for JJ and probably Courtney, Courtney Williams, but it's the turnovers. You know, that that that's that was the biggest part. And, and, and props to Connecticut for really capitalizing on those. Yeah, and, and that's going to be a key because if you can capitalize on those, you can kind of, you know, cause a little bit of doubt, a little, you know, in the playoffs, I, I think it becomes so mental, um, in my opinion, at least. Uh, you've obviously played in playoffs, and I haven't. Obviously, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, we're talking about the difference of a possession here or there or a run that is sparked by a turnover here or there. I mean, we're talking about minuscule differences that are the difference between a win and a loss. Um, 
you know, even though in the stat sheet you look and, and, you know, Connecticut ended up winning by nine, um, the game was close and back and forth the entire time. So it's, it's a, it's it's every possession matters. Um, I mean, even more, you know, when, when, when you're trying to win a championship on this stage in a semifinal round. And so um, you're just not going to win too many games, giving your opponent that many extra shot attempts, not, not this late in the game. You know, these are, these are the top four teams in the league right now. And um, you're, you're not going to be able to get away with that. So like I said, I, I'm really, I'm really excited for tomorrow. I, um, I hope my heart has enough to continue to handle <laughs> these playoffs, but um, it, it, it's going to be a great matchup. There's no doubt about that. Something I want to talk about, and, and I want your opinion on this. How concerned are you? You know, we've, Obviously, it was a big win for Connecticut. They have struggled mightily in the playoffs uh, in the Kurt Miller era. Um, How concerned are you about their lack of knowledge or their lack of experience in a series? I mean, I think that's a good point. Um, You know, the the commentators on the game last night were, were talking to that point. You know, this is an L.A. team that's a very veteran team that's used to playing in a series. They're used to being in finals. So you're they're not going to get rattled to the degree maybe which, um, you know, a Connecticut Sun might get rattled. But I, you have to credit Connecticut and how they handled the L.A. runs yesterday, how they handled everything in that fourth quarter down the stretch. And um, I thought that showed a lot of growth, a lot of longevity and consistency because there were moments where you really felt like um, they were going to lose it and L.A. might might take control of everything. And they, they, they remained composed. They remained um, um, focused. They were able to handle L.A. runs extremely well. Uh, so I was really impressed with that. And I think that's a credit to the longevity of the team and, and the coaching of Kurt Miller and his staff. They've done a great job with that. Uh, but I mean, that doesn't mean it's not going to rear its head later on, you know, and especially now you're going to feel a sense of pressure as Connecticut, where you're playing this last game at home tomorrow, <clears throat> today, Thursday, and feeling like, all right, if we can take take two at home and then we go on the road out to L.A., you know, you have to be feeling like you're in pretty good position. And I spoke on this in the last pod. If you're L.A., you you have to steal one on the road. They, in my opinion, Thursday is a must win for LA to have a chance to advance in the finals. Um, so so this there's a lot of pressure now, probably a little bit more than what there was even in that first game. Um, just again, my opinion, in terms of Connecticut feeling like, all right, you know, we're at home. Obviously, we play great at home. We only lost two games at home all year, so so being able to secure two is so important before we go out on the road. And so we might see a little bit of that. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit of getting rattled, um, tomorrow night, but again, I don't know, you know, th- again, this is a team that's been together for so long and, and just cause they haven't been in a five game series doesn't mean they're not poised to handle adversity. They've also f- handled a ton of adversity through the course of, you know, these last few years. Oh yeah. And, and honestly, like looking at this, I keep going back and forth in my mind because, you know, going like, all right, it, if I'm Connecticut, the pressure is really on in this next game because, yes, Connecticut has been amazingly solid at home. Best home record in the league this year. But you can't forget about the L.A. Sparks home record. They have like a record 15, 14, something around there, uh, home wins in a row. Yeah. Um, so that that's definitely concerning. And I will say, I'm just going to throw this out there. If I'm the L.A. Sparks and we drop two in the beginning, yes, there's fear. Yes, there's that concern. But going home, you kind of get your swag back. You kind of get that confidence back. And and if they can string together those two wins, I mean, you're essentially putting Connecticut back in that scary position that they have been in the past couple years. So 
the part of me is like, oh, I want it to go to game five just so we can see if Connecticut can actually get over that hump. Because in my opinion, winning a game one against the Sparks at home when, you know, Alyssa Thomas puts up some career numbers, that's great and dandy, but that doesn't tell me you've gotten over that playoff hump. No, that's a good point. <laughs> We're just going to have to see because, I, again, we have not seen the Connecticut, seat, Connecticut Sun team in this scenario, um, but we have seen a lot of these L.A. Sparks players in this similar scenario. So I, I don't know. I, I know Connecticut won last night. Um, I was impressed with the win, uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with LA on Thursday. I, I feel like they're going to, they're going to have really solid momentum headed back to LA. And, and just like that, a week from now, we could be talking about them being up three to one in this series. Yeah. And it would be scary. All right. So you're going with LA. Do you want to give a score? Or are you just rolling with win or loser? Oh, no, I'm going <laughs> win or loser. All right, cool. I'm I'm actually going with LA also. I think LA pulls off a nice win uh, with that confidence going back home. And I feel like Derek Fisher is going to get fired up on the sidelines. Like we saw the cool, calm and collective Derek Fisher throughout the season. Um, there's been very few times that I've seen him lose this cool. But I think now in the playoff time, like yeah, he, Derek Fisher, he, he's not going to mess around right now. Like he's there to win championships. Yeah, he's letting loose a little bit. You can kind of already sense it. Which is awesome. So, all right, I'm going with them. And I will give a score. I'm going to flip it. Score is going to be 85 to 74 LA Sparks. There you go. Take note, everybody. Boom, boom, boom. Take note. As we always say, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can help support us in the hard work that we do.